0: Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Just want to take a few seconds and remind you where you can follow us. Uh, we're on Twitter, at UnchurchedPod, and we are on SoundCloud, forward slash UnchurchedPod. Pretty much everywhere, UnchurchedPod, except not really. We uh, we only have Twitter, SoundCloud, and, and a WordPress site, but you know. All right, enough of that. Let's get into the-
1: Sean Dizzle How you doing brother? Dude
0: Pretty good I'm kind of tired man It's been like Rainy Here Rainy And just like overcast And it's a little cold again Really? You know So That'll make a brother lethargic
1: Yeah dude I want to be a bear Go hibernate That is not unreasonable At all What's uh What's Michigan weather like? uh, it's been pretty sunny and beautiful, dropped in gorgeous actually, All um, right. <laughs> but freezing cold so mm. uh it was uh thirty five today. I think it might have got up to forty, maybe, but I was in the car driving with my son, taking him back to his mom today, and so I didn't really get a chance to enjoy it, you know too much. It was yeah. Mostly just sun in my eyes, not really sun on my face, if you know what I mean. So, uh, I took Micah this weekend to go see uh, Pacific Rim. Really? Yeah. It's pretty. How was it? Pretty fantastic. Uh, I, I don't know if you ever saw the first one. Uh, I actually started it yeah. and got like, I don't know, seven
0: minutes in and it was kind of like, I have no idea what's going on right now. Dude, it's in the first
1: seven minutes when they actually describe what the movie is all about.
0: <laughs> Boy. Well, yeah. I don't know, man. It just it didn't capture me,
1: you know? That's reasonable. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So, no, I, I never really f- saw the first one. Yeah, well, Yeah, yeah you got to kind of see the first one to really enjoy the second one because they reference a lot of the first movie and the second one. Uh, mm-hmm. But I will say that the first one was... Uh, Quite family friendly, if you will. Uh, the second one uh, had a little bit more swearing in it than what uh, most people would like. So, uh, yeah. but you know, hey, teach their own. It was good though. Both he and I enjoyed it. It was a lot of action. It was a lot of drama. Uh, nice. Excuse me. And uh, but it was fun. It was fun getting out of the house and. You know, having something to do, so. Sure, yeah. Do you eat popcorn? Are you guys popcorn people? Not at all. I hate popcorn with a passion. Uh, what? Yes, I am not a popcorn guy. Uh, the reason being is uh, I can't stand stuff stuck in my teeth. Like, I'm the I'm the kind of weirdo that uh, <laughs> after I eat some chicken and it gets stuck in my teeth, I've got to go floss. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm that guy. I apologize to anybody that well, then cares. I can
0: see your dislike for popcorn. Yeah. I mean, do you like how it tastes though?
1: Oh yeah. I mean come on, it tastes like heaven. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it tastes great. I don't know, man. I just deal with it. Actually, just, popcorn you know, doesn't taste great. Butter
0: tastes great. That's true. Some butter, some salt. If you're real crazy, a tiny bit of honey. What uh yeah, I'm not that
1: crazy. <laughs> Melt some butter and honey together. Yeah, Ooh. It sounds dirty. But no, I, I uh I, I like the salt and the butter, just like anybody else would. But man, when it comes down to halfway through the movie and I'm I'm the guy, you know, with his tongue on his teeth <laughs> <laughs> in the middle yeah. of the movie trying to uh you know, trying to clean his teeth out. It's no fun. So Yeah, it sucks too. Well,
0: that does suck Yeah I mean do you eat candy
1: Like what You don't just sit there Do you right You know I, I try to do a slush Every now and then I Whenever I go to a movie With Jenna She loves uh, She loves the slushies So we typically get one huh. But Micah's eh, He'll drink a slushie If she's there But it's just him Him and I He's not trying to Drink anything You know You're just chilling No Of course we bring Our own candy You know Mm-hmm. Put it in the back pocket and and walk on in. But hell yeah, dude! Uh, Hit the dollar store up. Get yeah. all the
0: same candy. Yeah. I for, mean, like, we've got a hundred percent less than you will in the
1: theater. Sure, sure, six hundred percent less. No, but for real, I mean, we we've got a ton of candy just for him because of his his mm-hmm. allergies. My son has uh he's allergic to eggs, nuts, dairy. Soy, sweet potatoes, peas, and uh, I'm sure there's one more thing, I just don't remember what it is right now. I know that's so bad. No, I think that's all of it. That's all, all of it. it. I mean, that's like everything. Um, that's enough, right? So, but he can have just plain old sugar, which there's a lot of candy that is just plain mm-hmm. old sugar, like Mike and Ike's or uh, uh. The uh, sweet tart candy. What do you call it? Sab- uh, Sour Patch? Cabbage Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids. There you go. One Not Cabbage Patch. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we took. Mike and Ike's and, um, and the uh, Sour Patch Kids. Word. Um, and then I, I went up to the bar and I grabbed a, a kettle one and soda with a splash of lime juice. And the guy literally did a splash, so I had to tip him good. <laughs> Because he wasn't, you know, crazy like most people are. You say a splash and they throw a, a half a shot of lime juice in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, it was good, man. We had a good nice. time. Nice. Yeah, had a real good time. <clears throat> How was you guys this weekend?
0: Pretty good, pretty low key. Uh, see, we got up kind of early Saturday and. Um, So, Brooke's best friend just had
1: a new little baby. Uh, Ah, I saw that on Snapchat several times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, we went over and took some newborn photos and hung out with her for a couple hours. Uh, And then I was just, like, tired, man. Mm. But then we, uh, I don't know, man, just hung out, watched some, we're hooked on binge-watching Homeland right now. Yes. So we did some of that, and today we uh, met her family uh, A Red Lobster for one of her brother's birthdays. Did that. Nice. And then, uh, just chilling, man. How do you
1: like that Red Lobster? I mean, we're not sponsored by them or anything like that, so you can talk bad about them.
0: Sure, yeah. No, I mean... I like red. Lo- I grew up eating Red Lobster. Like, yeah. After church, that's what we did. Hmm. So, like, the cheesy biscuits—they're nostalgic and they're amazing tasting in general. So, like, have you ever been to Red Lobster? A million times.
1: Way more times
0: right. than what I would like to admit. Well, it's kind of like going to a Mexican or Spanish restaurant where, like,
1: you get so full on chips you don't even know why you ordered. The bread is the best part of the restaurant, right? <laughs> So, oh, but bread, yeah, I mean, the bread is the best part. Their are they're lobster bread or butter bread, yeah, with their seasoning on it. Good lord, yeah, it's pretty sinful.
0: But I mean, red lobster is pretty good. Um, I went a long time without having it living in Massachusetts because they just don't have them because there's way better seafood.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm assuming. I don't know, huh. but um. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I at the end of the day, I
1: could take it or leave it, but cheesy biscuits, man. Yeah, you know, for me, at the end of the day, I could leave it. Uh, uh, I had a very, very bad experience with them. I don't do good with uh, farm-raised fish, and, huh. um, you know, we're at Red Lobster, and I said, hey, I want some salmon, but I can only eat it if it's uh, wild-caught. And, of course, the lady assured me, oh, absolutely, it's wild-caught. I don't know, she probably has some sarcasm in her in her voice, but I uh, <laughs> I didn't catch it. And so, I valley-forged all over the house afterwards. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and I've never liked Red Lobster ever since. So, I'm the guy that goes to Red Lobster and orders a chicken.
0: Uh, hey, man. I like... <clears throat> so, we've gone there, I was just saying this today, like, I think I'm Red Lobstered out. Because we've been there... Three or four times since I've lived here which is like about three months (laughs) and it's just kind of like yeah I mean it's good but I think I'll be good for
1: for a while now yeah you know I can't imagine that um, I I would think that in in Illinois you guys be catching your own fish and, and doing a bunch of country boy stuff but obviously not
0: yeah barbecue is king around here right Oh, there's there's good fish too hmm. like catfish that's a that's big around here
1: oh yeah sure yeah it is a season right so um at least i love catfish for us here in michigan um uh, the season is starting uh it's it's march now it's about to be april and uh this is when the walleye start running in lake st clair so um you know it's time to get some walleye And um, along with the walleye, you usually snag up a bunch of silver bass. The silver bass start running early spring, like right now. They start running up the river, getting up into uh, Lake St. Clair. And uh, I think there's a 25 fish limit per person. Huh. Yeah, so it's pretty good. Quite a bit of fish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, and, and as long as you know how to cook them right, as long as you know how to cook them, Yeah. As long as you know how to clean them. Cleaning them, that's the most important thing. You got to clean them just right. If you don't, remember, I'm the Black Daniel Boone. So, Mm -hmm. you got to clean it right. If you don't clean it right, it's not going to come out right. So, uh, (laughs) clean them good, cook them good, and oh man, it's some good eating. Yeah, dude, I remember
0: uh, I used to go catfishing with my Uncle Bob in Tucky. And uh, I remember we'd bring them back. And, like, have to, he had this rock out in the backyard, and he'd be like, all right, hit the, you know, take the fish by the tail and whack it in the head and kill it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and here comes the
1: emails from PETA. Oh, yeah. There we go. Hey,
0: man, we gotta eat, you know what I'm saying? No, but, I mean, a couple of the places we went, there was, there was like, you know, farm-raised, like, farm-bred, I mean... They were honey holes like you could literally pay like 20 bucks extra and just they they overstock the pond or whatever and it's just like you're guaranteed to catch a crap ton of fish so the whole thing is in other words a farm yeah but hey man they ate good either that or my uncle was just that good of a cook
1: you know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, by his skills. That's for sure.
0: Well, he was a um, he was a cook in the army, and then he just cooked in general because he loved to. So, like, with with those two things, like when he cooked, he freaking, I mean, he, it's like he cooked like he was still feeding an army, because there was always food and just leftover food and like,
1: good. Yeah, my kind of guy, dude. Mm-hmm for me especially fish there's a fish place right around the corner, uh, that Michael will walk up to I've been trying to get him more and more into fish I and mean, he already eats super healthy because of all of his allergies mm-hmm. uh, but I love fish and it sucks not having anybody to eat fish with
0: Jenna doesn't like my fish. wife
1: doesn't eat it no she doesn't eat fish you know huh. uh, yeah she doesn't eat fish her family they don't eat fish Uh, you know, her grandparents didn't really eat fish. So I don't know what's up with that. Italians that don't don't eat fish, but there's an excuse. I, uh, but for me, man, I grew up eating fish, a lot of fish, and I still love it to this day. Uh, so there's a, there's a store right around the corner. They have everything you go in there. It's, it's always fresh salmon. Uh swordfish, they've got ruffy, tilapia, a whole bunch of good stuff. Catfish, you name it, crab. They get a ton of stuff. And so it's it's a it's a second honeymoon every time I go on there, brother, let me tell you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of fun. So uh the last time uh we went I got some lake trout uh from them. And uh, took it home, made it up, you know, cooked it up uh, for me and Micah. It was about a, a pound of fish. And, uh, you know, really, really good. Put it in some aluminum foil, throw in some lemon juice, uh, some some thyme and some good Cajun seasonings. And that it up real nice and pretty, right? Mm-hmm. Throw it in the oven for a little bit. Comes out super flaky, perfect fish. It's the, one of the best fish I've ever made in my life. I set it down in front of Micah. He says, it smells fishy. <laughs> 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 Duh. Well, it's a fish, buddy. Not. It's a fish. And, you know, and, and that is my problem with humanity. If I ever had one, that's my problem with humanity right now. We want fish to not taste like fish. Doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. It's a crime. I love fish. Especially when it tastes like fish. Yeah. So Well anyway. <coughs> so, dude, it's Palm Sunday. Yeah, I feel shitty because I keep
0: forgetting that like Sunday's coming and like Easter <laughs> is coming. Not that Sunday's coming, <laughs> the is coming. Uh why? Why do you
1: feel shitty? What's the big deal?
0: Uh I mean I feel like I should know when Easter is. Or not, I mean, I know when it is, but, like, I should remember, you know, like, oh, that's...
1: <laughs> oh, come on, it's a different date every year.
0: Yeah, it is kind of weird that it's on April Fool's Day this year. Sure, and sure. I feel like Which
1: actually is a great atheist joke, by
0: the way. I See? I feel like there's a lot of good jokes there that, like, Christian yeah. people...
1: Oh, yeah, would, the joke's on uh,
0: you. squeam at. Sure. But yeah, I mean, nevertheless, how funny is
1: that? <laughs> oh, I, I think it's hysterical. I think it's very funny. And I can't wait till the jokes come out. I can't wait for the memes to come oh, yeah. over Facebook. Oh, yeah. You know. Jesus died and rose again on this day. <laughs> April Fools. I, I, I think they're going to come out. And uh, I'm
0: ready for it. What was God's joke on April Fools? His son died for <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah, that'll probably happen. So, I actually kind of have something that we could talk about if you're interested. I am very interested. So, last episode, you mentioned, uh, I mean, you kind of just went right over it, and I was thinking, oh, people probably don't know who Gilbert is, Dan Gilbert. Yeah. And, you know, the reference to that and why Detroit is changing the way it is and how it is and as quickly as it is. And I think it would be fun to kind of dialogue back and forth about uh, like how he came into the city and what he's doing and in what city he is doing it because I think there might be some similarities or um, some things we could kind of maybe parallel to church and how churches act in society and neighborhoods and people's lives, you know? Does
1: that make sense? Interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. Believe it or not... What do you think? Well, sure, we can talk about it. Uh, Believe it or not, you'd probably be able to uh, provide more insight about who he is than I would, uh, because you actually lived in detroit as an adult whereas i lived in detroit as a kid Mm -hmm. and i'm out of the city right now but uh i don't know i guess i'm still affected by it all uh
0: plus you're you're 12 minutes from the city it's not like you're
1: yeah yeah oh yeah for sure for sure okay let me just say so dan gilbert comes into town uh he owns the calves right He's a multi-billionaire, he's got way too much money, uh, and uh, and he has done a hell of a lot of work, you know, to help out and rebuild the city of Detroit, which was completely dilapidated and uh, a shit show for a long, long time, right? Unsafe and blah, blah, blah. So this guy has come in, and he is... He's, uh, he's pushed for a lot of change. He's bought a ton of buildings that were crap and needed to be torn down. And he's paid a ton of money to revitalize them, to bring them back uh, to their glory days and bring them up to code. And, and, uh, and create an opportunity for a lot of companies to come into the city and actually uh, be able to contribute to the revitalization of the city. Uh, so uh, there are a whole lot of Dan Gilbert buildings downtown where a lot of companies have, 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 uh, they're paying him rent. The dude is just a genius when it comes down to money and real estate. And uh, he's, he's built an empire in Detroit. He owns like, I don't know, a quarter to half of the buildings downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, he owns a, a crap ton of parking lots and, and, He's torn down buildings and built parking structures, and then his his uh, his mortgage company, his mortgage arm, uh, what's it called, Rock Financial, was was. Uh,
0: Quick and loans. Quick
1: and loans. Quick and loans. Quick and loans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quicken. Quicken uh, you know they they have this huge building. They employ thousands of people, uh, and so he's brought so many people to the city just by merit of them working for him. Um, and so many things have been impacted as a result. And you've got food trucks that are making tons of money now, all because Dan Gilbert brought his people down, downtown Detroit. you yep. got wine shops that have opened up, and bars, and restaurants, and clothing stores. Uh, you've got big-name mainstream um, um clothing stores that have come down to Detroit just because Dan Gilbert and his people are there. Uh he's he's uh he's got his own personal security working detail down in the city of Detroit partnering with uh the Detroit police. And uh I, it's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible man. His uh his vision for what the city could be can be you know its potential he saw it when it was nowhere close to its potential and um and and is really helping to bring it to a place of beauty i love it i love the guy (laughs) dan let's do lunch
0: right so everything sounds nice and fluffy and i mean it sounds good like you're revitalizing a city that's broken and torn and all this stuff you know and you're coming in with your money and your people and your resources and you're bettering it. You're, you know, you're building yeah. new, um, businesses and you're, you're providing funds to revitalize the city quite literally. And, um, that, I mean, you know, arguably that's a good thing. Like, you know, that doesn't right. sound bad. It's who wouldn't want that for a city especially Detroit, one that has such hard history and, you know, just, it's a a tough city, you know? Needs some help. It's bankrupt. All the leadership's corrupt. Like, they can never seem to get ahead. Yeah. And here comes, you know, Dan riding on his white horse just, you know, making things happen, and it's cool. Sure. Flip side of that is i mean one it's there there is some racial things there um and i don't know i can't say that like it's 100 percent this way but it does seem like most of the people he's bringing in or the businesses he's bringing in racially maybe are not as ethnic as you might think especially for a city that is 82 or 83 percent um Urban or black, you know, maybe urban is the wrong term, but uh, I mean, that's just the fact of the matter, sure. So, <clears throat> a lot of good is happening, however, it's, it's like you're bringing business from outside Detroit into Detroit. So, a lot of people are like, Well, if you want to help Detroit, help the people that are already here make the businesses in Detroit, don't bring like, frickin' Shinola. Don't bring your company into this city and then say that, like, oh, yeah, we're Detroit. We've always been Detroit. Everything's made here. Well, clearly it's not made here. There's a certain part that are manufactured or put together there, but it's not, like, 100% Detroit made, so don't claim the Detroit name and, like, everything's made here in Detroit because that's false, you know? Sure. So there's <clears throat> there's the good and there's the bad, and you don't see the bad, Unless you live inside the city and you you kind of, you know, you, you see... Sure. I mean, there's a shit ton of white people roaming around the streets in Detroit. And they they're the ones in the nice cars with the nice suits and, you know, dropping money at the nice places. And there's nothing wrong with that, per se. Yeah. But when you walk outside and, like, there's hundreds of homeless people like begging for money and yeah smoking crack out of their shoe and like prostituting shoe. themselves. I mean, there's still, there's still a lot of broken stuff in Detroit, yep. you know, and it's not just about business and money and infrastructure. And I think it's, you know, like what about the people that are there? So Dan comes in and he does do all this renovation and, Reviving the city, but he's also displaced people like Detroiters, people from there. That's their home. He's kicked them out, strong armed them, bought their land, tear down their buildings, and now it's a parking lot, or now it's a, it's the the district which is the new you know arena with shopping and all this stuff. And I don't know. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm not saying that it's all good either. You know?
1: Yeah. I, I would agree so with you there.
0: If, if Dan, maybe, and his, I mean, it's not just him, but like if, you know, that's the name that he associates, so no one ever talks about his people. But if Dan and his company of people really cared about Detroit like they promote, sure. Would things be slightly different? And would there be more job opportunities being had for Detroiters and not necessarily people outside of Detroit? Because, and I can say this personally, because I talked to a lot of people, and I've dealt firsthand with certain things, um, even personally, like, mm. there are a lot of people in Detroit who need help or need jobs, but it seems, like, even Quicken Loans, man, like, everyone you know works at Quicken Loans when you live there. Oh, yeah. But none of them live in the city. Right. right? And I would love to see a statistic, like, with percentage on how many people that work in downtown for Quicken Loans actually live inside the city limits of Detroit. You know? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not trying to bash Dan. I'm not him. I'm not his on his advisory board. I don't have the money he has or the vision he has. But having... Like, I can, like, you know, everyone sees on the news or hears, like, oh, yeah, Detroit's, like, the new Brooklyn or, you know, it's the new up-and-coming city. And, like, I've sat in meetings with, like, these people from Detroit who were, like, fuck you, man. Like, up-and-coming? Like, we've been here. Where the the hell have you been? Why do you give a shit about me now? Oh, you don't, because, you know, my grandma got kicked out of her house so you could have a fucking... Bench that says you know advertisement on it. Right. Like, what is that about? Right. You don't give a shit about Detroit. You don't give a shit about me. So, I don't know. It's just crazy to think. And here's where I'm going with the church part of it, because
1: I don't. Before you get to the church part, let me respond a, a little bit. Sure. Uh, I I I can appreciate the uh, the other side of the coin that you gave uh, compared mm-hmm. to my my viewpoint. Uh but but let me uh, let me come a little bit more in the center and say I have zero desire to live in the city limits of Detroit.
0: Sure. Right. I mean a lot of people don't want to.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's zero zero desire And, and it's not because of Dan Gilbert. It's because of the fact that um I can pay the same amount of money for taxes in my city versus Detroit. And actually get my city services <laughs> that I'm paying for. Mm-hmm. That's number one right there. Uh number two, uh, that kind of goes along with that. I, I know that, you know, uh compared to where I grew up, compared to uh, you know, versus where I am now, I know the response time is gonna be pretty doggone quick if I call the cops if I need them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So
0: <laughs> not Detroit, only that I didn't even think they'd show up
1: <laughs> <laughs> not only that uh thirdly uh the school system where I'm at now is uh actually works yeah, yeah it's it's uh yeah the the education that they're getting it's 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 night and day mm-hmm. so um uh fifth grade my son's in fifth grade right now a fifth grade kid in Detroit versus a, a fifth grade kid anywhere in the Gross Point. I mean that it's the the level of education is is uh, probably you know a year or two better. So yeah, I would say probably two or three, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, uh, all of those reasons, uh, and Dan Gilbert aside, and and. Uh, I'll back you up. I totally agree with you. I, I thought that it was it was quite awful. Quite awful, these people, you know, getting strong-armed out of their homes that they've lived in for 35, 40 years, uh, so that uh, other development can happen. But the fact is, is that mm-hmm. that's how it works. Right? I mean, there were, if you think about Woodward uh 1 Avenue Woodward
0: one of the main streets it, in Detroit it goes yep.
1: from it goes from the, the the so if you can picture a V that's the way that the city of Detroit is shaped so right at the bottom of the V is downtown and as you go up it goes wider and wider and wider uh to make a V and the top of the V that completes the triangle that's 8 mile road that everybody knows about you know 8 mile because of the movie 8 mile. Thank you, Eminem. But that right there, that's your dividing line from Detroit to the rest of the suburbs, right? For the most part. For the most part. I'm I'm in a suburb of Detroit that is south of 8 mile. Right. So I I'm, I'm not but I'm I'm closer to the water and it's pretty awesome here. <laughs> but it is. Uh but the, the so so with the way the city works, uh, Woodward pretty much bisects Um, The city And so on the west side of Woodward That's considered the air quotes west side The east side of Woodward that's considered Air quotes east side That's your dividing line from east and west Going north on 8 Mile Or going north on Woodward It all used to be farmland All those farms ended up getting sold Bought out Dried up, paved over In order for us to have freaking shopping centers A hundred years ago You know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. So that kind of stuff happens and, and you can call it gentrification or you can call it whatever the hell you want to call it. The fact is, is that, um, you can't have an omelet without breaking some eggs, you know? Mm-hmm. So stuff like that needs to happen. Uh, and, and some people get screwed over, unfortunately. But the fact is, is that you, uh, what we miss is that, um, though there may be an end goal in mind, uh, an end picture of this utopia, well, without a better way of putting it, this utopia uh, of of the way that the city could be, the fact is, is that some people are reaching so far forward and want to go a little bit too fast to get to what they want, and so they complain about where they are because they don't have the picture of what they want yet. It's not happening fast enough for them. But I've been around the city long enough to know that, man, stuff takes a long time to change, you know? Believe me, my, my biggest complaint about the city is that all of this stuff that people talk about uh, that's so great about the city of Detroit, what they mean is that downtown is great, mm-hmm. and I agree with them. Downtown is great, but baby, let me tell you, you, you move five, you you walk a few blocks away from downtown, and you're going to be afraid because the neighborhoods that surround downtown ain't all that shabby, you know what I'm saying so uh, I mean that's the fact, that's the truth like the city, they say the city is coming back, oh I'm sorry the city hasn't come back, downtown has come back downtown is gorgeous, it's beautiful You, you got, like I said you've got Dan Gilbert's personal protection staff you know, helping out the city and then the the response time, downtown, the amount of cops that you see out on the street are downtown. You drive five minutes up the road and you're in the heart of the city. Not downtown, in the neighborhoods. And then you got, you know, blocks that have two houses on them. You know what I'm saying? You've got blocks where uh, there's a whole lot of fields because the houses have burned down. You've got areas where there's there's houses that need to be torn down that are just burned and 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 people they they throw dead bodies in there they throw dead dogs in there you know they, there's a lot of there's a big uh ring of dog fights that happens in Detroit the dog dies they find an abandoned house and they throw the dog in the house stuff like that happens my cousin uh turned up dead he was missing for a couple months this was years ago i have a cousin that that died years ago he turned up dead they couldn't. They couldn't find him. Couldn't find him. Found him inside of an abandoned house. With a bullet in his head. Hmm. Pretty much decomposed. It took him a couple months to find him. He was. Already, he was dead for a couple months. That's what they do. You, you know, somebody get killed. They dump him in an abandoned home. Um, there's a lot of rapes that happen in these abandoned homes. Little kids that are walking home from school. And there's abandoned homes on their street. They'll pick them up, take them into an abandoned home, rape them, leave them there, and bolt off. You'll never find the guy. Stuff like that is still happening in the city on a regular basis. Um, and that's not... um, It's not cool, dude. No. And that is not that is not... That's not Detroit being revitalized and coming back. Okay? Downtown is gorgeous. Yeah. Corktown is nice. All these different... Cities or boroughs if you will, within the city are really nice woodbridge corktown uh, uh, uh give me some other ones west lafayette area uh, yeah I uh, mean, it, west village is west village i don't know
0: it's not that bad not like it's not that bad freaking, it's uh, full of it's full of hipsters new centers you it's, know pretty it's beautiful. Right. What's the one where um, Eastern Market is? I think that's Eastern what it's Market. Called. That's what it's Eastern called. Market yep. District. Yeah,
1: yeah. But you know what? I but my
0: all the ones we just said kind of in- enclose. Downtown,
1: it's around downtown. You
0: know? Yes. I mean, they're all pretty much like you leave downtown, and boom, you hit all the ones we just said. So once you get out of those, it's like that's the Detroit
1: everyone fears. Exactly. You know? That's where you don't want your car breaking down people don't realize that Detroit is a very very large city it's huge i mean it used to be over a million people in this city and um, and now we're the city of detroit is around 600,000 if that you know so the the tax base has has uh has decreased extremely uh and when there's a a, a depressed tax base guess what your city services aren't aren't being paid for babe it's just not happening, mhm. You don't have anybody to pay for it. The people aren't there anymore, so yes, so that's the darker side. I know that goes a little bit away from Dan Gilbert, but i i I think it's a little bit more of a balanced view. I think Dan is just uh one piece of a puzzle, and he's he's doing his job and that he's he's affecting what he can. One thing's for sure is that we shouldn't look at him as the savior of the city because he's not. It's going to take a collective effort. It's going, take, uh, it's going to take people that actually live there stepping up and being successful, opening up businesses, having an entrepreneurial mindset, and employing themselves, employing each other. You know what I'm saying? hmm And I think a lot of them are doing that. I don't, I don't mean to say it as if they're not. I think a lot of people are doing that. A lot of people are starting businesses and employing people in their neighborhood to do the job. I mean, there's urban farming that's taking place in a lot of places in the city. You know, where they are taking these lots, where there's abandoned homes, they purchase the lots, and then turn them into farms. That's not Dan Gilbert doing that. That's the people in the neighborhood doing that. You know, and that's a good thing. We need more of that to happen, and we need that to be actually... Uh, praised in the media it's not something that's being talked about enough because I, I think that if it was brought out to the forefront a little bit more hell you know people won't be so scared to go down there
0: true <clears throat> and I completely get everything you said and here's you know here here's the thing about like the church because I so the owner of Rocket Fiber I can't remember his name for
1: the life of me it's a great name, by the way. Rocket Fiber? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh. Anyway, he was, like, straight up called out. I mean, Detroit, like, rebuttaled, like, hardcore against this man. Because they, I don't know if you remember this. I think you probably will, but. So they put up this banner. I mean, it was a, a massive banner. Like, almost billboard size, I believe. Like, in... Uh, relation to size, but they put up this uh, this banner that has all these white people on it, and there's not a single person of color on this billboard, thing, right? And it said, "Don't quote me on this." The, the The facts in this are not really where I'm going. So, but anyway, the banner basically said, "You know, this is how we see Detroit," and. I mean honestly, like if you're a white person you'd look at that and not think anything. But if you're a person of color you're and you live in Detroit, like a city that's eighty two percent of color, you're yeah. gonna see this banner and be like, Huh? Oh hell nah. You know what I'm saying? Like and that's how people took it. So I was um I was privileged to be a part of a meeting. Uh, that was held and the owner of rocket fiber showed up and uh you know it was just people from the community of all races and beliefs and nationalities and everything and it was awesome man there was probably i don't know i'd say 70 people there and uh just it was kind of like an open mic you know you had the floor and then everyone else had to be quiet until that was done. And then someone else could take the mic and so on and so forth. And yeah, for sure. Um, the owner of rocket fiber, you know, had a chance to like say his piece about, you know, Hey, we're here for the people and blah, 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 blah. You know, is it heartfelt? Is it not? Who knows? I don't know, but it's just, it's surprising to me that (laughs) this company like, comes into the... I mean, they, they're they in the city, you know? And they, they proclaim something like that. Like, how did you not even think, especially in Detroit, of all places, that that would not create waves? Like, did you want to create waves? Or are you just so blind that, like, you don't even know the place where you, you live? Because whether or not Detroit, people think downtown or they think the whole 149 square miles of the city... I mean, you can't say Detroit and then I'll just think of a ton of white people and that not be a thing. I mean, there was just a movie that came out because the 50th anniversary for the riots Mm. was this past year. So, like, race and, like, I mean, there's tension there. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you do that as a company? Or as anyone, but especially as a company who's trying to, like, make Detroit better, supposedly. Mm. Here's where I'm going with it. So I feel like the church does a lot of the same things, especially when we're talking about like church planting or, you know, trying to evangelize. Like we, we go into the quote unquote mission field as we term it. And we try and make people be like us and do what we think that they need, which is just kind of like what we've been talking about with, you know, these people with money coming to Detroit and give Detroit what they think it needs to be. Maybe it's right. Maybe yeah. it's wrong and it matters. So there's both spec, you know, both sides of the spectrum on that. But yeah, I feel like the church on a whole, again, not everyone and not, you know, sure. Everyone in the church, but mostly we go and we plan a church and we, especially with like urban missions or, you know, um, going overseas even and doing like actual missions work like hey you need a well we'll build you a well and then we'll peace out we'll never see you again some of that's good but some of it's like Mm -hmm. you didn't really i mean you helped them now they have water but like what if you taught them how to build a well or (laughs) what what if you like you know what i'm saying like yeah we we just think that oh we have the answer and we're supposed to go do good and help people does it always help people, and does it help people the way that they need to be helped? You know what I'm saying
1: oh yeah, I agree I mean there was uh there was some relief efforts that happened in some country I can't remember. I heard about this when I was a kid they uh they dropped off shipments of all this food that Americans eat that's canned candy corn and canned corn and and processed crap that Americans eat and they sent it to a to a country that is used to living off the land and eating vegetables and eating you know the the animals that were indigenous to that land and uh, basically all of our relief efforts poisoned the population it's horrible because they're not used to eating corn filled with you know dairy and you know sauces and all this crap that we put in our food to preserve our food their bodies weren't able to handle it and it was killing them Goes right along with what you're saying. Just because we think that somebody might need it doesn't mean that they necessarily do. Well, and
0: here's here's the point. Like you need to know, and like educate yourself on certain things, especially when you're going into some place that you're not.
1: Custom- I think that you could say that a little bit more specific. I, I I think that the the best way that we can help a group of people is to learn them, to learn that group, to learn what is important to that group, and then help to provide that thing that's important to them. You know? I mean, somebody that... If somebody's got clothes, you don't need to give them clothes. Maybe they're hungry. Okay? Maybe they're okay with the clothes thing. Maybe they need food. Maybe somebody that's well-fed don't have the clothes. Okay, well, you don't have to worry about the food. You can focus on the clothes. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's a, um, it's a travesty of a lot of the churches, uh, and, and and again, I I agree with you. We're not saying all churches, but we're speaking from our personal experience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens a lot of times is that churches they set up shop in a specific area. And don't realize the demographics of the area that they're set up in. Okay. Uh, case in point: the the last church that I was a part of. Uh, they they were in an area in a city. They, first of all, it's a it's a thousand seat sanctuary that we couldn't fill with a thousand people on a Sunday. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did the demographics of the city, just trying to plan out. Some evangelism and an outreach efforts for the city found out that two percent of the population of the city was Hispanic. Two percent, okay, less than two percent, less than two percent of the population was enough to fill that church twice over. Hmm. And so my pitch was, if we would hone our resources to just focus on the 2% that actually live in this city, we wouldn't have enough room to actually service those people if we just focus on the 2%. Just this one ethnic group. Just focus on that one ethnic group. We would not have enough room on a Sunday to actually service all those people if they all came. You know what I'm saying? So... uh, I think one of the greatest downfalls of churches is not knowing number one who they're called to, number two, who their immediate audience is, uh in the geographical area. Not knowing I, I mean in in the same church in the same city, there were uh there were more people that were retired in that city. Even if all we did was just minister to the retired community. We wouldn't have enough room in that church in order to do it. You know what I'm saying? Just focus on one group. In the city that you're in. And you'd be amazed at the impact that you could have. But. Yeah. The, uh, you know, that didn't work out. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> that didn't work out. So. Uh, well, it
0: really does. I I, I, in, I agree with you.
1: The... 100%. I mean, you have to have a goal. Yeah, and, and bringing it back to Dan Gilbert I think he has a vision and he has uh, uh, something that he wants to do uh, something that he sees that's capable of, and he's working towards that now, I've got friends that actually work for him that are doing very well working for him um, but they say he's extremely driven and for him it's about the bottom line he wants to make money he's in it to win
0: yeah, and I mean, again, I'm not trying to come against, I mean, him. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to come against the church even. I'm I'm just saying, like, in the ministry side, in the church side, I mean, the Detroit and Dan Gilbert and Rocket Fiber was just to get to this point. And because, you know, we have both live there, so a little easy for us to talk about, but... Sure. I mean, I, I just, I got sick of, like going to church and realizing like we're doing all this outdated stuff and we're like sure you know you look around the church and it's like okay we got about 500 people that's cool they're mostly you know a mixed variety of age groups and ethnicity and that's awesome but it seemed like you know, the the older people kind of ran the show because, hey, you know, when you have ideas and it's like, oh, we should try this or we should do that or what do you think about doing this? Like, instead of doing that, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's going to, you know, probably won't go over well with uh, basically the people that pay the tithe. And it's like, sure oh, gotcha. And it's just like a buzzkill. Yeah, so it all goes back to it's the like, same thing. Sure. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like let them go somewhere else with their money well, who who are you preaching to? Who are you really worshipping and believing that run this, like who runs this church? And when you when you realize it's basically the old people because that's what the head and the hierarchy I guess you could say like the elders they run the thing and they cater to the old people and it's like The old people have the money. So really, it's just about the money. It's not about ministry. It's not about, hey, let's do this thing that's like burning on our hearts or that Jesus would do or, oh my God, we're going to run out of every single penny we have. We're going to go do this outreach thing and fuck everything else. No, 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 we can't do that because then the old people won't give their money and then, you know, we need that. And that's depressing because it's like... Yeah.
1: What's what's the real vision? You're
0: doing things that... And, you, and you're and you feeling good about them. Like, hey, let's send this orphanage a ton of clothing. We're going to do a clothing drive. Because, you know, they're orphans and they need clothing. Well, maybe they don't need clothing. Maybe they need freaking pencils. And we're sending them, like, bags and bags of clothing thinking, you know, we've we've checked our box and we can go to heaven and, you know, woo, Jesus, we told you we loved you. Check out what we did. And the orphans are like, I don't need any more pants, man. I need books and pencils so they can learn. I don't know. It's just, I don't even know if I'm making any sense anymore. It just really annoys me. And I, I hope I'm communicating it correctly. Because I think, like, if people I could stop with the bullshit and like, sure. just do ministry. Like, yeah. look at what Jesus did and do that. Yeah. Why is it hard? Yeah. Well, you know, I I, I mean, it is, it is hard, hard because it's not an easy thing to do. I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying like, I, I feel like people want the easy way and they want to just feel good and know that they think that they did something good. Even if they did something that didn't really matter anyway. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Sure. Yeah. I follow you. Yeah, you know, I think that this, this, uh, your heart that you're communicating is something that is shared across the board with our generation and the generation that's coming up behind us uh, of, of Christians. There is a, within us, because we actually do believe that Jesus is the way, of uh, and that it's important to look like him in order to be called a Christian. We need to look like him. We we're more concerned with looking like him and acting like him uh in the world than uh than the money, than the glory, than the title. For for us it's not about the recognition or the title, it's about the mission of people, it's about whether or not we touch a life for real. Whether whether or not a life is really changed. Not about, you know, some feel-good, stupid message on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. that gives people Holy Ghost goosebumps. You know what I'm saying? Not some uh, altar call for, you know, something is trivial, uh, uh, something that's trivial or something that, you know, some stupid emotional reason. But actually... Affecting a life to the point where they become actual literal disciples of Jesus Christ, you know what I'm saying like uh, like you affect one person that one person goes and affects their family, and then that family goes and and affects their community, that community goes and affects that city, that city goes and and affects that county. you know what I'm saying like the actual- an actual impact, yeah. But I I think that's what you're communicating, and I I feel like I'm I'm trying to say the same thing. Like, you know, I don't need another feel-good sermon. I don't need another good word. I don't need somebody to prophesy to me or to tell me uh, about my future and how great, you know, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. None of that shit matters, dude. None of it matters anymore. The only thing that matters— I mean, it it can matter, and it did matter when I needed to know that. Sure. But now you've matured but, to a place where it doesn't, because it doesn't fulfill, it uh, it doesn't fulfill the the actual call, the actual need that's there. Mm-hmm. There's there's a there there's uh, there's a greater purpose to all of mm-hmm. this Christianity and doctrine and all the stuff that we've grown up receiving. It, it's not about you know, uh, one man in his pride or one man in his ego or his elevation to pastorship. What what it's really about is whether or not we are looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, affecting people the way that Jesus did um, and, and and not worrying about the rest. Not worrying about the pat on the back or the, the accolades or whether or not the money is going to come in as a result of it. Or anything like that And and I think that the our, our, The main point is that Mainstream church Has become so Driven on maintaining Their building and the structure Of their Christianity That they've lost sight of True Christendom Which is You following Christ In every aspect of life And you helping others To do the same thing Not about going to your building, not about tithing to this specific place to make sure that this specific place continues to run the way it's ran for the last 100 years, but uh, being in a place where you yourself are a true disciple, which means that I'm about to get satisfyingly deep right now. Are you ready? I think it's time. Cue the music. A true disciple of Jesus Christ is increasingly obeying jesus increasingly worshiping jesus okay increasingly following jesus you're you're constantly on the increase of your of your lifestyle your worship your obedience to him your surrenderance to him that's what a disciple is you're increasing in all of those things so you yourself become a disciple of christ and then you teach others to increasingly follow him to increasingly love him. To increasingly worship him. To increasingly obey him in all of life. You learn that. You teach others to do that. You help them learn to do the same thing. That's what Christianity is. Not going to a freaking Sunday morning service, dude. To to some church. I mean, the Sabbath wasn't even a Sunday anyway, for crying out loud. You know what I'm saying? But uh, but a true disciple, is it's, it's not a... It's not a freaking building that you're going to. It's not a certain amount of money that you're giving up. None of that matters, dude. The only thing that matters is that you increasingly love, obey, and worship Jesus Christ. That's what a true disciple is. And that, my friend, satisfyingly deep.
0: Satisfyingly deep. Dude, I'm tracking, man. I like I, <clears throat> I totally agree. And like, at some point... I mean, you look at American society, commercialism drives everything and supply and demand, I I mean, is a thing, but I feel like it's more, we're, we're, we're smarter than that now and we can create a demand that needs the supply and therefore we generate our own supply and demand where before I feel like it may have been a little bit more organic You know, and I say that to say, I feel like church is this like church in America on a whole, again, not everyone, but it's mostly this, like the same way. So churches, mostly churches in America do the same fricking thing where like, you know, it's about the building and it's about the pastor. Like, the celebrity pastors and the bigger building, and we need to plant churches. We just need to plant, you know? And that's how you know that, like, your church is doing anything in the church world is if you have to plant. So, right. oh, cool, well, we've got 25 people, but we're already planning the next church plant because, like, God's really moving, you know? Like, is he really moving? <laughs> that's what he's telling you to do is to plant another church, and you have 25 freaking people. I mean, maybe it is, but, like, I don't think that all of these freaking churches who are planting and, like, multiplying like they, you know, the books would seem to th- make you think they are. Like, if Christianity was growing, we would not be uh, tolerated sure. in America. Churches would not be a thing. There would be no mega church, and I really believe this, like, the biggest times Christianity grew was when it was in horrible, horrible persecution. And it wasn't out of a popularity thing or because it's a cool thing or because the flashing lights are there or because they have the good-looking singers up on stage who sound like angels. No. People were fucking being killed and slaughtered for owning Bibles. (laughs) That's when it grew. Like... Not when you have, like, celebrity people, freaking, I'm not going to name names, but, like, it's just retarded to me that, like, where's the passion for, like, God to, to wreck our lives and to, like, I don't care what you do to me, God, but, like, help me show people who you are. Like, John Piper has always been kind of intriguing to me because he's so anti-prosperity gospel. And with recent stuff and John Piper, sure. I mean, he's not God. I'm not God. He's not Jesus. Yeah. No one else is Jesus. So, you know, whatever. The man did and teaches and says what he does. However, God has used him in my life in ways that I cannot reject or ignore. And one of those ways is just preaching against stuff and trying to to teach people how to plant churches and what to do in ministry and like persecution is a thing that unfortunately is necessary and in our society we don't want that we don't we want to be mainstream and comfortable and liked by everyone or tolerated comfortable but yeah we want people to see things the way we do So it's not even like a, okay, you give this and we'll give that and we'll take that and you can take this. No, it's like, oh, we want to be popular. And like, you can't come against the Bible in school because you don't do that with Hinduism. So, you know what I mean? And we all like squirm and want to tweet about it and go pray and all this stuff. And it's like, (laughs) and maybe I'm wrong, but like, shouldn't you want to be persecuted like if you're a Christian, there should be some part of you that's like, I don't care for persecuted. I kind of want it because, like, that's when people understand. Oh my God, you're being beaten. You're being kicked out of school. Like you can't buy groceries. Why? Because of your God that you serve. Well, I want to. I want. I want that. I, w- I want that faith. I want that radicalism. Like I, that, there's something there. People don't see that. People think of Christians as like these overweight, which we mostly are, again, so are Americans. Like, tolerable, is that a word? I just made it up. You just made that one up, bro. Well, it's a good one, so we're sticking with it. Or I am. My point is, like, people see us as hypocritical pieces of shit. And quite honestly the reason why I don't want to go to a church right now in my life is because I mostly agree with that. And unfortunately, that's the reality, and it sucks. It sucks so much because it's not advancing anything for Jesus. People just write us off like, oh, you're a Christian? Like, I don't tell people I'm a Christian. I find other ways to, like, share that I believe in Jesus. Because if I say Christian, I know immediately, because it's happened over the years, oh, so you this and that and this and that. It's like, you know, you have me pegged now for what you think church and Jesus and God is. And that is so not true. You know?
1: Yeah, no. I feel you. I feel you. I
0: feel like I said a lot of stuff.
1: No, you did. No, you did. And and there's 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 not a problem there. I you know, but you know, for me, I wouldn't necessarily say that I want persecution because that's a validating point for you know true faith. the The fact is, is that um, I'd rather be a person like I said that is um. Uh, Rooted and and like seriously um, increasing in my faith, increasing in and in, and loving him and worshiping him and obeying him. I, I I think that the 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 true test, if you will, of the validity of our faith, uh, the the stick to itiveness of our faith, is our increasing in love, and worship and and obedience to him. Um. Uh, the when persecution comes, persecution is there to try. It's it's not there to necessarily, you know, when, when Jesus talks about the the, uh, uh, the the people that weren't rooted in the word, on uh, the the word was sown, you know, on stony ground and and sown among uh, among thorns. Okay, that whole passage. What he says about persecution is that a, a person that that isn't rooted, that doesn't have the word that actually goes down into his heart, which is the true test of faith, what he says is that when persecution comes, they'll be offended. They'll waver. They'll, they'll fall away. Not that the persecution was the real test, but that whether or not the word actually reached their heart and and the and the root uh, or the fruit of the word of God actually reaching our hearts is that we increasingly love, we increasingly worship, and we increasingly obey. That's how you know a person truly, truly is believing and truly is learning, right? Their their capacity to love increases. Jesus says that that you'll know my disciples by love, not necessarily their persecution. You know what I'm saying? So persecution comes, persecution comes, and and it will come. I mean, Paul said, "He that will live godly will suffer persecution." Right, but it's not a test of your faith. If you're living godly, you're going to suffer persecution. Like we, this is gonna, this is a fact. This is going to happen. Uh, but I think that our aim and our goal should just be to increase. And our discipleship overall. I mean, because shit happens, bro. Life is going to happen. People are going to suck. Offenses are going to come. All these things. The only thing that's going to make us solid is our relationship with Jesus Christ. How strong we are in him. You know, this stuff is going to happen. I know the guy that you're talking about, and I've listened to a few... Uh, things of his And man oh man oh man If he was still around I'd love to box him A few times uh, When it comes down To some of the stuff That he says I, I think that there needs To be a balance though
0: Talking You know John Piper?
1: Yeah Yeah well, He's still alive He's still alive Alright Yeah Contact me, John the Piper church
0: In uh, Minnesota
1: Okay So I, I mean he's a, he's a Baptist preacher Oh okay There just needs To be a balance You know what I'm saying like we we need to keep things in perspective, and the fact is is that yeah you know shit happens and it gets really hard and 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 you, you gotta be careful because it'd be real easy to fall in legalism and and um and and to get super strict with stuff, but uh, again Jesus died for the imperfect, not the perfect. You know, and then that suggests that our lives in Christ is to be. Increasing in everything, not decreasing, mm-hmm. which means you're not going you're not there you've not arrived Paul even said look i'm not I'm not coming from the standpoint of somebody that's apprehended or somebody that's gotten there, but one thing I do I forget the things that are behind and I reach forward for the things that are ahead I press toward the mark for the for the you know the prize of the high calling of God he's it, it was a a standpoint of hey look, I haven't gotten there yet." but i'm ever increasing i'm still increasing i'm still getting better and better and better and better i think the the downfall or the 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 thing that we that we miss when we say yeah you know i just want you know let this hard time come so that real christians can actually shine and and the fake ones uh fall away or or be exposed that we put ourselves in a position of pride and ego and judgment And so I think we got to be careful in that when when we're looking at it, we're saying, okay, we all have a starting point. And the starting point is our faith, right? At the point of faith, we're saved. So we all have that same starting point. One thing about grace, one thing I've learned about grace over the years, is that grace puts us all on the same level playing field. We all come from the same starting point. A true disciple, though, a true disciple, regardless of what church they go to or what church they they, they ascribe to or how much they give and offering and whether or not they elevate the man or not, doesn't really matter. One thing about a true disciple is that they're always increasing. They're always pressing forward, getting a little bit closer to Jesus, just like you would with your wife. You want to get a little bit closer every single day want to know a little bit more you want to get a little bit more intimate you want to get a little bit more romantic you want to get a little bit closer every day every time you contact each other that's how it should be with jesus regardless of anything else true persecution is going to come shit's going to happen all that stuff is going to come it's inevitable we can't help it, it
0: maybe i didn't communicate correctly from from what you're saying I I feel like maybe what I was saying was taken a different way but like I'm not saying you know we should be persecuted. I'm just saying like I don't know what the hell I am saying now. I just think we're too we're too overlooked and we're too you know we're we're like the kid that's like sorta crazy that people just are like, oh yeah don't worry about him. Sometimes he, like, slobbers and says weird things, but you just kind of ignore him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's how the church is.
1: They're not today's... taken seriously.
0: Yeah, like, no one, you know, and, yeah. and we're the, the people who... I mean, we... Every every faith thinks, you know, they have the truth, but, like... Sure. I, f- I just... I feel like, I mean, we do have the truth, and... People won't even hear us because, one, we either look just like them or we're so behind the times that, like, we're not even being taken serious because, like, we have bulletins of paper that are just text and it looks horrible when you walk into this building and it's like, how are you going to take that serious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, freaking they're playing, you know, hymnals from, like, I mean, Jesus, like, I know hymnals, but I don't want to sing them all the time. You know? like sure.
1: From the 1500s. There's,
0: there's just, like, a lot happening, and I feel like it's it just sucks, man. Like, I feel like the opposite of what we have in America would be persecution, and I would rather have that, then we're just the red-headed stepchild that no one takes serious and you know.
1: Yeah. You, so I'm not
0: saying that okay. I want it. Yeah. I'm saying that you know, just like anyone in the Bible we should welcome it, but not seek it. I'm just saying like, whatever we're doing now is not working. Like, sure. something is horribly horribly wrong. Yeah, <laughs> And we're so... Um, we're we're pussies man we're like we're so thin skinned that like we want to sue people or we want to lash out on Facebook or you know mean tweet people and all this stuff behind our devices but when it comes down to like being Jesus to people that you hate we can't do it Yeah, and those people are the ones who are the loudest and that people think all that is Christianity You're a pussy ass motherfucker who hides behind your screen and you're fucking around on your wife and you're doing all this other shit. Why? Like Jesus that I should come to your God. Nah, go there. (laughs) We're fine. Yeah, We're, we're, we're good with you. Just go away. We'll deal with you when we have to. That's how I feel like when you say Christianity in our society in America, that's what people think.
1: Yeah, you know, I tend to agree with you there. Uh there's the with that point, um uh yeah. A lot of people see Christianity as a joke and um because of the representation. You know, believe it or not, I I I, I preached this, I don't know, man, ten years ago or something like that. Where I was talking about evangelism and the fact that uh no matter what you may think about evangelism, the things that you do, the things that you say, it all represents christ, like whether you realize it or not, but you you represent Christianity to the world when you say that you're a christian, and we need to we need to realize that when we are uh when when we are uh when we appear weak and and unlearned and uneducated and and not driven excuse me not driven uh concerning excuse me concerning the the things of Christ and when we're not uh we're not really representing what a disciple should be it still represents christianity to your circle of, of where you live in and i think that the bottom line is that we all have a personal responsibility to be the re- the best representation of Christ possible Given our level of maturity So I I agree with you 100% Um, I I would just argue on the side of the fact that There's a whole bunch of immature Christians out there That aren't growing up And to be honest with you A lot of the responsibility falls on them Uh, You know, we all have to take personal responsibility But another big portion of the responsibility Falls on the Christian leadership And so as a Christian leader, you need to choose that either you're going to teach people how to grow and mature in God, to be better representations of Christ and Christianity as a whole, or you're going to teach some prosperity bullcrap message to make people feel good. Mm -hmm. You choose. But the fact is, is that you need to take a high-level perspective, as, as, as I feel like you've just done. Uh, you you take a take a perspective from ten thousand feet up, and say, yeah, you know, as a whole, there's a lot of Christians that aren't representing Christ in the best way, and we look like a bunch of pussies, as you put it, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that's a high level perspective from your your sphere. That's 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 how far you can see, right? There's a lot of people that live like that in America, especially in the Midwest. So what's the remedy? The remedy is that we all need to learn how to be true disciples. Increasingly loving Him, worshiping Him, and obeying Him in every aspect of life. Truth. Word up, dude. I think that's good. The Unchurched Podcast. Thank you for listening. That was beautiful. (laughs) With Sean and Michael. Or uh, Michael and Sean. Big shiz <laughs> and the big mizzle and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mizzle and sizzle baby <laughs> So
0: hot so hot
1: Thanks for listening. I'm going sign it off in five four <laughs> three two